exalt your name above every other name, God. We thank you for what you're about to do this morning. I thank you, Lord, that there's a breaker anointing in the house right now, God. That all of heaven and all of hell is paying attention, but heaven prevails. Father, I thank you that there's things that are going to be broken off this morning, Father. There are things that are going to be broken off and shattered in the name of Jesus in the house this morning, God. I thank you that we've been destined for connection, Father. Lord, let us get a revelation. Let us get an understanding of how authoritative and how powerful it is to be the family of God. Lord, anything that we came in with that is not of you, any remnant, any residue, any stronghold that is not of you, anything that is not of you, Father, we break it off. We break it off in Jesus' name off of each and every son and daughter in the house. Each and every son and daughter, God, would step into a fullness of your identity, Father. Lord, we thank you for your word breaking forth, God. Oh, Spirit of God. Hallelujah. Let us understand a fullness of what it means. God, we give it to you, Father. This service is yours. This city is yours. These people are yours. These children are yours. These destinies are yours, God. These streets are yours, God. These homes are yours, God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, man. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. We're on the verge of something crazy. I feel like right now what I, what I would feel like if I knew I was going to get into the fight of my life. Come on. Lord, help us. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. You can be seated if you want to stand and keep praying. Go ahead. Amen. So we got a lot of visitors today. I think this is like the the anointed row right here, maybe. I don't know. Every time visitors come, they sit right here. (laughs) So we got got Stephen from Ghana. We met him this morning. Welcome, welcome. And what's your name? Ray? Lauren. Now, you guys are family with Sabrina, right? Sabrina and Lonnie. So our family in Florida is some extended family right here. So we honor you guys, man. We welcome you guys. Yeah. And Renju. We got Renju over here. Amen. What's your name, sir? John, where are you from? Oh, man. (laughs) That's awesome, that's awesome. We got Robert. You're from Flagstaff, right? Am I missing anybody? No? Robert, man. I've seen Robert. I've interacted with Robert several times over the years, and this he just has a good heart, man. Robert, you have a good heart, man. You can see it. Huh? What? Lupe? Oh, I was like, what? Larry got Sundays off. Awesome. (laughs) Uh, I'm trying to like calm myself down. Maybe it's not going to happen. I don't know. (laughs) I mean, literally, I feel like all that all of heaven is over here just waiting and all of hell is over here just You were 
You were destined for connection. Connection has always been part of your destiny. And there are things that you were destined for that you won't fully step into until you engage in covenant. Let me say that again. There's things that God put in you. He put in your DNA. He created you. Jeremiah 29, 11, he had plans for your life. And some of those plans, some of that destiny will not come into complete fruition or fullness until you engage in covenant. Until you engage in the family of God, some of those things won't come to complete fruition. And on the same token, on the, on the flip side, there are things that have come against you. There are plans that the enemy has had in your life to come against you in your life that won't fully be exposed until you step into covenant. The, the enemy had plans set in place for my life that didn't fully get inspo- exposed until I was engaged in covenant. So when I say we're on the verge of something crazy, it's like we're stepping into this new revelation of what it means to truly be the family of God. In the, the moment, the moment we fully step into that, Hell will be exposed. The enemy's plans will be exposed. Things that you didn't realize were the darkness will be exposed as the darkness. There are things that you may have thought were just, oh, this is just normal or this is just part of life. This is just a struggle that I've come to expect for my life. In the moment, that's why all of hell is paying attention because they don't want us to fully step into this because as soon as we do, we're going to recognize every single demon, every single hellish thing that's attached itself to your life. You will recognize what it is and it'll get broken off. I feel like we're in a coliseum or something and you got hell and heaven paying attention. Are they going to step into what family truly means? And hell is paying attention because if we step in, we're right there. If we fully step into it, they're done. And you got all of heaven cheering us on, cheering us on. Come on, come on, family. When we prayed for these kids, man, we talk about Sunday, right? We're not Sunday morning Christians, right? But we come in here and we talk about family. It's not just talk. Come on, when you, did you... When we got these children standing up here, the devil doesn't stop at us. He's assaulting our children. There's a war on these young boys. <laughs> Some of us grown men may still, may still have fully not stepped into manhood because the assault that was put on us by the enemy. Come on, amen. I, when I was, how, how old was I when, I when God told me, you're a man now? Hold, how old was I? Yeah. 30. I didn't know because I, and it's not my father's fault, but he never pointed out and specifically watched over me. Maybe he did watch over me, but he never said, he never was watching me and said, now you're a man now. So I didn't know. Or maybe I thought I was and I didn't realize. Maybe I thought I was and I didn't realize how really just childish I was. And so if I'm struggling with that until I'm 30 years old and I'm fully grown, not matured, but fully grown, how am I supposed to recognize that in my boys and tell them when they're a man? It's this perpetual thing, this war against our children. And so that was important what we just did this morning. And so I want to talk about more of what it means to be the family of God. Two weeks ago, we talked about the year of the in-law and the authority that we have through Christ being grafted into the royal lineage of God. And then we talked about the, the kingdom operating system and you got to submit to the upgrade. You have to agree to the terms before you even get the upgrade. And this morning, I want to talk about what does it look like to cleave? <laughs> What? 
What is it? Okay, we, we understand that we're through the perfect law of liberty, that we've been grafted into the family of God. We understand that. We understand that there's more authority through family, and we're not going to achieve our destiny outside of covenant or outside of the family of God. We understand that. So now that we've agreed and we've submitted ourselves to the destiny and the calling of God and truly what it means to step into the family of God, now we have to understand what does it look like to actually do that? So I want to turn to uh, Genesis 15. covenant with Abram. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Fear not, Abram, I am your shield. Your reward shall be very great. But Abram said, O Lord, what will you give me for I continue childless? the heir of my house is Eliezer of, of Damascus, somebody who was not related to him. And Abram said, behold, you have given me no offspring and a member of my household will be my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. This man shall not be your heir. Your very own son shall be your heir. And he brought him outside and said, look towards heaven and number the stars. If you're able to number them, then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. And he believed the Lord. How many times have we heard this coming up? Belief and unbelief. Remember last week we talked about if you, if you don't believe and you don't fully engage in what God gave you free access to, you're an apostate. Apostasy, remember that. Remember that we talked about that last week. Then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. And he believed the Lord and he counted it to him as righteousness. And he said to him, I am the Lord who brought you out from Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to possess. Now he's speaking about 400 years into the future to Abram. And he's telling Abram, I brought you out of the land of the Chaldeans. When Joshua went into the promised land, it was the Chaldeans, the giants. Those were the giants, the Chaldeans. The giants were Chaldean people. And so God called Abram out of that place. And his destiny was to go right back into that place where he called him out of for his children to go into that place. But he said, O Lord God, how am I to know that I shall possess it? He said to him, bring me a heifer three years old, a female goat three years old, a ram three years old, a turtle dove and a young pigeon. And he brought him all these, cut them in half and laid each half over against the other. Now this is important because in the Old Testament, when it talks about cutting covenant, When you talk about covenant, there was a cutting. And so they would literally take an animal sacrifice and they would cut it in half. And he brought him all these, cut them in half and laid them each half over against the other. But he did not cut the birds in half. And when birds of prey came down on the carcasses, Abram drove them away. As the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell on Abram, and behold, dreadful and great darkness fell upon him. Then the Lord said to Abram, Know for certain that your offspring will be sojourners in a land that is not theirs, and will be servants there, and they will be afflicted for 400 years. But I will bring judgment on the nation that they serve, and afterward they shall come out with great possessions. As far as you, you shall go to your fathers in peace. You shall be buried in a good old age, and they shall come back here in the fourth generation, for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete. When the sun had gone down and it was dark, behold, a smoking fire pot and a flaming torch passed between these pieces. So the animals that he cut in half, he saw a vision of a smoking fire pot passing in between the animals that he had cut in half. On that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram, saying, To your offspring I give this land from the river of Egypt to the great river, the river Euphrates, the land of the Kenites, the Kenizzites, and the Cadmonites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Rephim, the Amorites, the Canaanites, and the 
Girgashites and the Jebusites. <laughs> so this is what's important is that we talked about family was the first institution established by God with Adam and Eve. And you see family coming up again with Abram because he's talking about generations and who's going to be his inheritance. Abram cut a covenant. A covenant was cut uh, with Abram, with God. And what he was speaking to was his conception. He cut a covenant, but the covenant was cut concerning the conception of Abram. And so you see, I wanted to read this because this is going to preface where we're going, but we need to understand that this, there was a destiny set in place here for, for conception. And Abram was coming to the Lord saying, I can't conceive my own children, but once a covenant was cut, then he had the ability and the promise of God of conception. Amen. So when we talk about the family of God, when you engage in covenant, covenant is the vehicle for conception. There's a destiny. There was a destiny in Abram's life of inheriting his, gener- his, his legacy, inheriting the promised land. But his legacy couldn't inherit the promised land. They couldn't even be established until he entered into a covenant with God. He couldn't go back to where he could. His children couldn't go to where he was taken out of. Listen, there's going to be things that God delivers you from that he destines your children to go back and, and demolish. There may may be things in your life that God delivers you from that your children will fully enter into with a destiny to overcome. But God had to take you out of it. You'll see your grave before you see overcoming it yourself, but your children will overcome what God delivered you out of. But it wouldn't happen if it wasn't for covenant. And conception wouldn't happen if it wasn't for covenant. Let's turn to the book of Ruth. You guys just got married, right? You guys just got married? How, how, when did you get married? Friday. Oh, man. that's awesome man you I'm going to give you guys some homework you have to read the the whole book of Ruth it's really not that long I'm not going to read it I'm not going to read the whole thing this morning but you need to read it I don't even know where to I don't even know where to start in here let's go chapter one Verse 6. It's talking about Ruth and Naomi. Now, this is, let me just read you the introduction to the book just to give you some background. The book of Ruth tells a young, tells of a young Moabite widow who, out of love for her widowed Israelite mother-in-law, abandoned her own culture, declaring, Your people shall be my people, and your God shall be my God. Though she was destitute and needing to rely on the kindness of others, Ruth's disposition and character captured the attention of Boaz close relative of her deceased husband, Boaz fulfilled the role of kinsman redeemer and took Ruth as his wife. Ruth serves as a wonderful example of God's providential care and his people and of his willingness to accept Gentiles who seek him. Ruth was an ancestor of Christ. The author is unknown, but the genealogy at the end suggests that it was written during or after the time of David. Amen. That's, that's us. That's our story. We're Ruth. We're grafted into the family of God as a Gentile through covenant, through the kinsman redeemer. And then, and then we become part of the ancestry or the royal lineage of God. Verse six, then she arose with her daughters-in-law to return from the country of Moab. For she had heard in the fields of Moab that the Lord had visited his people and given them food. So she set out from the place where she was with her two daughters-in-law and they went out on the way to return to the land of Judah. But Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, go return each of you. Now listen, Naomi's the mother-in-law, and this is a story of two daughters. And we're going to see 
the two different directions that you can go. Go return each of you to her mother's house. May the Lord deal kindly with you as you have dealt with the dead and with me. The Lord grant that you may find rest, each of you in the house of her husband. Then she kissed them and they left up, They lifted up their voices and wept. And they said to her, no, we will return with you to your people. But Naomi, Naomi said, turn back, my daughters. Why will you go with me? Have I yet sons in my womb that they may become your husbands? Turn back, my daughters, go your way, for I am too old and have a husband. If I should say I have hope, even if I should have a husband this night and should bear sons, would you therefore wait till they were grown? So the mother is basically releasing them because in and of herself, she can't provide covenant for them. So would you therefore refrain from marrying? No, my daughters, for it is exceedingly bitter to me for your sake that the hand of the Lord has gone out against me. Then they lifted up their voices and wept again. And Orpha kissed her mother-in-law and Ruth clung to her. Now this is important. You remember last week we were talking about what it means to be a revolutionary. And when you're born again and you're grafted into the family of God, God gives you a cause. He gives you a cause. And there's not many people that may agree with that cause or even see that cause. It may be invisible to other people, but God has given you something that you're willing to lay your life down for because we do what we see our father doing. Amen. And so he gives you a cause. But when you defect from that cause or you don't fully step into that cause, you become lukewarm and you become an apostate. You become, you, you engage in apostasy. You don't believe what God called you to believe. Amen. He puts you in the family of God. But if you, if you demonstrate unbelief while, while regarding the family of God and stepping into the family of God, if you don't believe or you doubt, you become an apostate. You defect from the cause. Now listen, then they lifted up their voices and wept again. And Orpah, such a weird name kissed her mother-in-law and Ruth clung to her. One kissed her and one clung to her. (laughs) So I look up the name of of Orpah and it says gazelle. Sounds pretty, right? Her name means gazelle, right? Like she's free or whatever. And Ruth means camaraderie and companionship, drunkenness and satisfaction. But the root word of Orpah literally means apostasy. So this is, this is the two roads that we can go because we've been called and we've been grafted into the family of God in, within the context of free, free covenant. The kinsman redeemer has come, has come and avenged our blood. And we can kiss him or we can cling to him. I don't mean to put you guys on the spot, but you guys have kissed each other, right? (laughs) Did you have a baby? Did it make you have a baby? Nope. I won't ask the... But the point is, is, is there's, there's too many of us are too often we have chosen to kiss Jesus, but we haven't clung to him. And if we don't cling to him, then there's no, there's no potential for conception. See, Ruth clung to her mother-in-law and through that family covenant, she was grafted into the family of God and became a matriarch. She became an ancestor of Jesus Christ. So listen, we've agreed to the terms, we, we understand family, we step into it, but until we, we have to understand that it, if we engage in the covenant, God wants to conceive something through that family of God. There's going to be something that's currently unseen that's going to be made seen. Because we engage in the covenant and covenant gives way for conception. How many know that Jesus, the covenant of Jesus, when we talk about cleaving in the Old Testament, it only referred to cutting, literal cutting. But that type of meaning in the New Testament never occurs because Jesus was the lamb that was slain. He was the final thing that was cut as a covenant between us and God. 
And so we have to understand when we engage into, into the family that Jesus made a way for us to, to be vessels of conception. Its covenant is, is, makes us family. That's all it takes is, is Jesus is the covenant that was cut that makes us family. But there's conception too. We can't stop at family. My wife and I are a complete family, but there were things added to our family through conception. And so we can't stop at covenant because we've become, once you engage in covenant, you have become a vessel of conception, but you can't just kiss with God. That's where that lukewarmness is. You can't just, you can't just, oh yeah, let me, let me kiss, let me get a kiss from God every now and then. That isn't going to do it. So how much, how, much, how much is it so if we, how effective is it? Are we achieving the purposes of God if we just see each other every Sunday and say, how you doing, Eric? Good? Okay, awesome. See you next week. Derek and Sally got their first new house, moved in yesterday. And you know what? It's, it's a victory for everyone. And if we have that mindset then we were all moving into their house. How many people were at your house? 20, 25? We all moved in. Jacob's in the kitchen putting spices in the cabinet. <laughs> Megan's, you know, I want this couch over here. Put this one over here. <laughs> Being bossy. We all moved in because that's a victory for all of us because we're family, because we don't just kiss on a weekly basis one day out of the week and we have nothing to do with each other the rest of the time. In, in the kissing and not, and not the clinging, you, you basically flee. Because orpa, it means apostasy, but it also means to flee. So if you choose to just kiss, then you might as well not even do it at all. That's that lukewarmness. All right, let's go to chapter two. Scratch that, chapter four. Verse 13. Does that make sense? Can you guys feel the weight of... of of we're on the we're on the verge of something and you could just as easily go either way. God has given us family. He we are family. You we're all sitting right here. He has given us connection. He has grafted us in. We're all brothers and sisters in law in Jesus. And so he's given us this family and it's right there. It's just like Naomi telling her daughters to go do something because she sees what their future holds and she sees that they are in need of covenant and she can't provide it for them so she sends them on their way and one chooses to just kiss her mother and flee and the other one clings to her so Ruth and Boaz marry verse 13 says so Boaz took Ruth and she became his wife, and he went into her, and the Lord gave her conception, and she bore a son. <laughs> that is like, that is, that is so important. Because through covenant, listen, through covenant, Boaz went into her. But this is so important because we can go down two different roads. We can make a decision right now and we can end up way over here or we can end up way over here. But the decision right now is what's going to determine where you end up. Because God can give you covenant. Jesus gave you the ability to have covenant with the family of God. But now we have a choice. Are we going to kiss him or are we going to cling to him? Are we going to flee from him or are we going to engage in covenant and cling to him and let the Lord go into you and conceive something? Because we talk about reformation and revival and, and we've had words spoken over this house and over this ministry that, that God is going to do something here that nobody's ever seen. That requires clinging and cleaving. 
adhering to one another. We're not, I'm not saying we have to be perfect. Listen, nobody, nobody in this house should claim, and we, and we don't do it. Nobody in this house should claim that we're real good at relationship. No, because we're not. We're not. Is anybody like a professional relationship, Christian relationship professional? If you are, I don't know why you haven't made yourself known at this point. Because we could have really used your help. (laughs) But listen, this is an important distinction to make. All of the, the blessings and the promises that we've seen made manifest is because only because we were willing to engage in relationship and cling to people long enough to press through the, the junk in the, in the hell and the darkness. Do you know how dangerous you are if you just decide to cling to the Lord? You don't have to be an expert. He'll do the rest. If you just decide, I'm not just going to kiss you. It's not good enough. I'm going to cleave to you, Lord. It doesn't matter what happens. Amen? So we're at a, we're at a, a point where everybody is, is you're going to have to make the decision. And if you have indecision or if you're indecisive, you're still making a decision. Amen? I'll decide tomorrow. Well, you decided. If you don't decide, you decided not to. Indecision is dangerous in the church. So two different roads. Are we gonna are we gonna kiss each other or are we gonna cling to each other? Because I'll tell you what, it when we look to see what the Father is doing, it's because He wants something to manifest in this relationship. Not only in this relationship, not only do we cling to the Lord, but in the family of God, we cling to each other. And only when we cling to each other will, do we have the ability to conceive something. Amen? Now listen, we're on the verge because as soon as we step in, as soon as we step in, as soon as Naomi presented this to Ruth and Orpah, <laughs> such a weird name, as soon as she presented this, listen, Orpah's name meant apostasy. You can't be an apostate unless the cause is made known and you're actively engaged in the cause and it's present and tangible in front of your face. Okay? So the destiny of Orpah's destiny, the the meaning of her name wasn't realized until the covenant was presented right in front of her face. Orpah didn't fulfill her apostate destiny until Naomi said, you need to go be husbanded. So on the, on the same, in the same way that we don't realize our full destiny until we fully engage in covenant and fully step in, the same way the enemy's plans won't fully be recognized until you step in. It's not just about you obtaining your destiny. You obtain your destiny, but once you step over that threshold, once you engage in covenant, not only do you fulfill your destiny, but your ability to recognize what the enemy wants to do is immediate. Up until that place, they were hanging out. They were having a good time. They were sisters. They were going going down the same path. They were together. Up until Naomi said, now you need to go on your way and you need to be husbanded. And only at that point did Orpah fulfill her destiny, what her name meant, and she simply kissed her mother. Only at that point. That's why I feel like we're on such a verge because once we step in, two things are going to happen. We're going to fulfill our identity. We're going to come into who we're known to be. We're going to become vessels of conception. And at the same time, we will fully recognize what we didn't recognize before. So it's almost like if you decide, well, I'm not going to decide. Or if you decide, well, I'm just going to kiss until I decide to, to engage in covenant. Or I'll just be satisfied with kissing then basically what you're saying is, is I'll be satisfied not engaging in the family of God, knowing full well that there are things that, I'm, that are unrecognizable to me, that I'm satisfied with keeping them unrecognizable to me. Amen. 
If you decide I'm just going to kiss and not cling, I'm just going to be lukewarm. I'm just, I'm just satisfied being blind to the plans of the enemy for my life. I'm satisfied with not becoming a vessel of conception. And, and Chris, this is why Christianity isn't all just fun and games and, and just easy. And, and we're going into a season of war. But let me tell you, the, the way that we fight warfare is through family. Amen. We fought for too long on the wrong battlefield and the enemy wants to drag us over to his battlefield and get us yelling and and crying and puking and all this stuff because we're trying to fight against the thing that he's assaulting us with all while we're on the wrong battlefield. If we just shift over to we're just going to focus on family and I'm no longer going to just be satisfied with kissing, but I'm going to cling to God and I'm going to cling to the sons and daughters and I'm going to cling to the family of God. It's a whole nother ball game. That's why hell is just watching. Are they going to step? We're literally right there. Okay, they've decided. They recognize. Are they going to step into the family of God? Are they going to step into what that means? Because we're not even on, the, on their battlefield anymore. The, the fight that the enemy is trying to bring to my sons right now, the fight that he's trying to bring to my sons that I dealt with for 30 years before God said, okay, now you're a man. That's the same fight he's bringing to my 12-year-old and my 8-year-old. The same fight. And that's why the enemy doesn't want us to step on this battlefield of family. You know what? There's things that our children struggle with and they feel like they're by themselves. In Genesis 1.28, God, what did God tell Adam? He told him to fill the earth and subdue it. But before then, when he created Adam, he said it is not good for him to be alone. And that's the very first thing the very first issue that God told man, it is not good for you to be alone. And how much do we, that is what the enemy tries to do. It's like the enemy was listening to God saying, oh, it's not good for them to be alone. Then that's what I'm going to try to get people to do. I'm going to try to get them to be alone. And it's only when, when my son is being confronted and struggling with things. And in the first time I told him, I dealt with this just like you are. He was like, a light bulb went off. I'm not alone? Come on, there are so many things we're dealing with and we deal with it by ourselves and we have no idea there's five or six other people dealing with the same thing. Because we haven't chosen to fully step onto the proper battlefield of family and what it means to be the family of God. I saw this morning when they gathered the kids and we started praying over their feet, that breaker anointing was at work. There's things that, that, that the Holy Spirit is going around slapping, slapping the enemy's hands off our kids. We need, to, we need to learn how to fight for our children. I can't afford to have my son not know he's a man and not know what family he's in and not know who his father is until he's 30 years old. There's a wife that's been destined for him. I can't afford for her to go through that, not being in covenant with a man who knows if he's a man or not. I can't afford for their children to still be dealing with what he's dealing with at the age of 12. I dealt with it into my adulthood. He's, it's going to stop with him right now. And his kids aren't even going to deal with it. It's time to stop letting, just trying to fight back the enemy and just surviving. We need to start thriving in the family of God. We're not just trying to survive. We need to thrive as the family of God. And this is how we're going to do it. We need to stop kissing and start clinging. (laughs) And we're going to start tonight. Just kidding. so critical where we're at in the victory is it's already ours but listen just because Jesus came and he made a way for covenant he made a way for covenant but we get to choose whether we're going to kiss or cling and become a vessel of conception we get to choose it's not just automatic and if you think it's automatic you're making a decision not to just because of of, of foolishness or, or not being aware or 
or whatever, or, or thinking that you're just by yourself and not willing to reach out. so excited for the day and this is what the enemy doesn't want to happen the day that we come to church right we're not Sunday morning we're not just about Sunday morning but when when church quote unquote church starts becoming uh, a, a thing of duty or an obligation when it stops becoming that and it's something that we're devoted to it's that devotion it went from duty to devotion If you're coming and filling a seat out of obligation, out of duty, and then the choice comes, then you'll bounce, you'll leave. Because it was just out of duty anyway. There was just an obligation holding you to that place. But when that obligation is lifted, if there's devotion there, it will keep you together. That's that choice. You know, it's like Orpah was already, it's in her, it's in her. That's what she was named was to flee like a gazelle. And as soon as that obligation was lifted, it was like, see ya. (laughs) But Ruth, on the other hand, she chose to adhere. She chose to press in through devotion. And the moment church becomes not an obligation, not a duty, but there's a devotion to the Lord, then what does church become? What is, what is church if it's out of obligation or duty? What is it? What is a marriage if I feel obligated to my wife? If somebody had arranged our marriage and I was obligated to my parents to marry her, what is that? What is that? But I'm devoted to my wife because God brought us together and we love each other. And so I'm devoted to my wife. And that's why there, it won't, it won't. And, and listen, we're talking about the, the covenant with the family of God. We're talking about we have to be devoted to each other. I went over to your house to help you guys move because I love you guys. If I had to do it, it would have been work. And so we have to question if, if are we operating in a relationship with God out of duty or devotion? Maybe it's duty in the beginning, but you know, God, sometimes he, he, sometimes you have to raise children that it's, it's actions before they believe what they're actually doing. Sometimes you have to get your kids to wash their hands. They don't know why they're doing it. You got to get them to just do it, to be in the habit so that when the belief comes into play, a light bulb goes off and they go, this is why I've been doing this. Not that duty's wrong, but we have to mature to devotion. And so l- listen, sometimes a directive will come down apostolically. We need to do this. We need to begin doing this. Look, we know what we're talking about. We've been doing things a certain way to get us into a habit. But at some point, the devotion needs to kick in. And we've already been doing what we've been doing. But now it's devotion now. Because guess what? I can't wait. You can't take a child and say, well, I'm not going to make him wash his hands because he doesn't understand. 
But then all of a sudden, when they're capable of understanding, all of a sudden, then you're going to make them wash their hands. They're going to be like, why, why, why am I doing this now? You never made me do this. So we're going to fight against ourselves if we don't, if we don't play the part. And yes, that's good. If you have to go to church, if that's where you're at, that's fine. But you need to contend for the devotion to the church, to the family of God. If you're in a place of duty, that's fine. But you need to, you need to make a conscious prayer that you're going to contend for the devotion. You're going to contend for the, for the clinging and not the kissing. Amen. That's why you guys could kiss all day long. You ain't going to birth no baby. Right? Not that kissing's bad, you know, what, you know, you know what I mean. <laughs> you know what I'm saying. But, you, but, but just kissing each other isn't going to conceive anything. And in Abram's case, it was that very thing, him being a father to, to as many people as there were stars in the sky that changed his name from Abram to Abraham. If God's going to change our identity, then we need to make this decision to let him change it and have the children, the things that we birth, be made righteous. Amen. Are you guys okay? We have covenant. That's been made free to us through Jesus Christ. But but we're vessels of conception, right? Apostle Tanya talked about vessels. How long did we talk about vessels? How long did we talk about character and integrity? And so we're just shelving ourselves if we just think it's just about covenant. Because covenant just made a way for conception. And there's things that God wants to birth into this earth through us. That's why we can say that through the family of God, there's going to be a reformation in this region. Because there's going to be things happening that we've never seen before. We can keep kissing each other and keep doing that and be satisfied with that. But that will never change anything. I can kiss my wife all I want with the intent of wanting to birth something, but it will never happen. If you're all gung-ho on birthing something and I'm, I'm going to bring something about because of who I am in God, but all I'm, all, the only way I'm going to do it is through kissing him, I'm sorely mistaken. I'm a fool. This is what it looks like to be the family of God. We, we have to cling to one another. We have no idea what's going to happen when we start cleaving to one another. I mean, we know something will get birthed, but we don't know what it is, but it doesn't matter. I didn't have to know what my kids looked like or whether they were going to be a boy or a girl to engage in in covenant activities with my wife. I didn't care. (laughs) Right? I mean, let's be honest. Who cares about that? When you're with, when you're engaging in covenant, right? Within covenant, when you're engaging in that, who, no, nobody's like, well, I wonder if it's going to be a boy or a girl, or I wonder what they're going to do when they grow up, or what are they going to look like, you or me? It doesn't matter. Right? It doesn't matter. But covenant is, is an environment that God gave you to be a vessel of conception. And then there's literally, I have five human beings that were never seen before on this earth. They were unseen, and they were made seen. Five of them. And so as the family of God, what it looks like when you cleave and and to feel the impact of what cleaving means and whether you decide, right? Because God gave us a choice. Part of love is that you have a choice. True love is you have a choice. God didn't make us do anything. He gave us a free will. He doesn't force us to do anything. So you are free to love him. We are free to love each other. And if we don't want to do that, we can just kiss and say bye. And, you know, uh, on, a, on a whole nother level if, with this whole, you know, we're, we're all the body of Christ. But if we're kissing and saying bye because we were just operating out of duty and then we go to another church, guess what you're probably going to do? At some point, it doesn't matter what church you're at. At some point, you have to make the decision to cleave to the body of Christ. Amen. Is this bearing witness with every with anybody? And if it rises up in you that oh man, I've been operating out of duty, or oh man, I've been I've been like Orpa and I've been uh, uh, 
you know, just satisfied with kissing. Not that that's bad, but this is what this is for. God is giving us the benefit of revelation of what it means to be the family of God. And so there's no condemnation. But we now that we do know, we have to step into it. We have to step in. Stephen, if you, if you, you said, where are you going? You're on your way where? Missouri. What are you doing over there? Going to school? And where'd you, where were you traveling from? California? What, so what are you going to study in Missouri? What is it? Health science? Okay. All right. Where are you, are you guys going to live in Arizona? Florida? I'm so excited to meet you, man. I feel like I've heard about you from Lonnie and Sabrina for like months and months. Oh, man, I got this brother in Phoenix. We've been hearing about you guys. So it's good to have you. But we have to choose. Yeah, we're going we're gonna, to um, pray for you guys. But, uh, man, we're, we're, heaven and hell is still watching. They're watching this house. Heaven is rooting us on and hell is hoping. They are praying. (laughs) Hell is praying that we don't step into this. covenant the things that got exposed 
all wrath came onto him from me. So something gets exposed in our marriage and I, all wrath goes onto him. Is this making sense? But then we have children and then it gets exposed in them so that I'm properly positioned to handle the next generation correctly. So when we were working through this with our family, what got exposed was I was able to explain the concept of Jesus Christ because religion wants you to think when, when Adam and Eve sinned, what happened? God didn't say, you're in trouble. God said, why are you hiding? talking about devotion, family devotion, the word ecclesia actually means governmental family. Can you imagine having a governmental family operating in this earth? And the way that we could defeat the enemy and not just survive, but thrive in that type of environment. But because of what we went through, the next generation gets us positioned correctly. It's like when talking to our kids, we were able to explain the concept of Jesus because we were able to explain that because he went through it. So look at him as an analogy. This is Jesus. Because he went through something and he endured the wrath and the punishment of what happened, it provided a safe place for him that he doesn't have to be bound in shame or hide. Because religion says, get yourself right and then come talk to me. And that is how we operate in our marriage. Get yourself right, then you can have access to me. Totally bound in religion. Now the next generation can be released that through Jesus, because he took the punishment, he's the one that took on the wrath, so now you don't have to hide and he restores us back to what he said in the garden when God's literally like, what, what's wrong? Where, why are you hiding? That is what is going to be released out of a devotional family, a governmental family. Because what's coming next, we are going through those type of things. That's what working out religion looks like so that what's coming next, we can be positioned properly. And I feel like in this time of activation, just go ahead and go. Whatever that looks like for you and your family to be able to receive that breaker anointing that we are making the decision to say, wherever you go, I'll go. Whatever your, your God is my God, your people is my people. Mm. And in that decision, you're saying, I'm not going to do this alone. And I'm going to cling to you on behalf of something outside of myself. I'm not just going to cling to you because I want freedom, but I'm going to cling to you because there's something else coming that needs freedom. And all of a sudden it just positions you a little bit different, like, oh, and it gets you, it gets you ready for what's to come. And I just feel like there's something in this activation time as families, as we make that decision to say, I want to move from duty to devotion. Something's going to break in your life. Dwayne, I see it all over you. When that decision is made to say, I'm going to cling to this thing, all of a sudden the family man father starts to come out of him. And there is a, there is a papa bear ready to fight anything and everything that comes at him on behalf of his family. What does that mean for my children or for me when he begins to operate in that type of papa bear? Because it came out of devotion, not duty. When you make this decision, something shifts in your spirit to be able to rise into a place to war like you've never warred before. Because all of a sudden, your kids' lives are on the line. And it's their kids' lives that are on the line. Ruth and Boaz were only the beginning of what was to come. The decision that you make now to be in devotion is going to change whether or not Davids get birthed. Come on. Whether or not you become the great-grandparent to a David. Whether whether or not you become a great-great-great-grandparent to a Jesus. I saw this morning that there was a breaker. It said, Jesus, Jesus. Sing that song. Jesus, Jesus. There's something.
something in that. It's not Jesus necessarily outside of ourselves, but Jesus, Jesus, when the darkness trembles because Jesus within me because of what I came out of. I came out of covenant. I'm going to be in covenant. I'm going to fight for covenant. This is outside of ourselves. It's a timeline for you to be able to stand in a position and say, I'm going to call on the generations previous right now in the name of Jesus. There are angelic hosts with previous generations that are behind me. They got my back and they're saying, go daughter. We now have turned this place into an identity center. This place is going to be a place where sons and daughters begin to be raised up in the name of Jesus. They're going to know who they are. They're going to know who their God is. No more getting messed around and tossed to and fro. Helplessness, anxiety, pornography. Amen. All those things, drunkenness, drugs, apathy, lethargic, laziness, procrastination. It is done because I know that I'm a daughter of the Most High God. And because I came from covenant, I'm in covenant. He took the wrath for everything that I have that I then get to release forward to the next generation. Because I'm saying right now in the name of mighty Yeshua, this next generation will go back to the land that I came from and will conquer those giants. Amen. You want giants conquered? You send that next generation and you send them right under covenant in the name of Jesus. Come on.